Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north. Well, let me start that over again. From the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north. Welcome to Safety Wars. Hope everybody had a great weekend there. I know we're on slightly late. So if you're on uh, safetyfm.com, we are on safetyfm.com. If you want to hear the audio, we try to be on three to five times a week. It turns out it's hard to get on some days. You know, there are there is work outside of safety, but safety has to be incorporated into your life. How's everybody doing? I got plenty of hats, right? We got the New York Boulders hat. My son had the pleasure, well, I should say I had the pleasure of watching my son as Bat Boy at last night's game. Uh, he was the Bat Boy for uh, the Quebec Capitals of the Frontier League. I mean, we had baseball and softball all weekend when it wasn't raining tired. No, I've always uh, toyed with the idea of having uh, coverage of frontier of the Frontier League here, right? It's an independent baseball league that spans from eastern Canada to the Midwest and I think it goes as far south as Kentucky, if you call it Kentucky South. It's great. So I hope you enjoy or you enjoyed Last week's episode, episodes, right? We had a couple of them that you know, I got some pretty good feedback on. I was pretty proud of. One of them was on artificial intelligence. Right? And uh, scary thing on last Friday's episode where I actually, if you want to go back and listen, we actually went and uh, recorded, uh, you know, it's pretty, you know, let me comment on this. So what we did was I uh, recorded, or I didn't say record, I uploaded my voice into a program and I read back a safety meeting back. And unless you know me or I told you up front, hey, this is a uh, artificial voice, this is AI, uh, you'd be hard pressed to hear it, hear the difference, especially if you're on a cell phone type of thing and you're listening over a cell phone, maybe even a... Uh, tablet, computer, something like that. I know my wife said, you know, you sound a little bit rigid on that one, Jim. Well, yeah, it wasn't me. Scary. The different things right, that we can apply this to. So uh, somebody could be out there like on the internet recording this program or maybe even a Zoom call if you have a broadcast microphone like I do uh, and could actually go and... Uh, Record your voice, upload it, and have you say anything. I mean, you could have something. You could have some positive things. You no know, technology is neither good or evil. It's how you use it and your knowledge. So, uh, so uh, what's some of the things that it could be used for? Let's say that you have a loved one and they you record their voice over several hours. They pass away. Guess what? You could always hear their voice. Right. Uh, this was predicted even back when I was in high school. And if you recall the film The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Dawson, and uh, uh, Michael Ironsides was in that movie. And uh, who's the one? Uh, uh, from Fatal Attraction. I forget the name of the actress. Uh, Sharon Stone. 
was in the movie, where they actually were able to do a deep fake on a game show of some of the contestants, and the game show was To the Death, hosted by Richard Dawson. So, you know, it's, you know, you know uh, that's reality now. With the deep fakes, uh, and there's been cases, with, no, on the bad side of this technology, you have porn, uh, no, deep fake and porn, uh, all different legal ramifications. So uh, right now, I believe Congress is having hearings on this, or will soon have hearings on this. So, scary thing. Good, and there's bad. Uh, something that needs to be worked out in our society, and I think, like with a lot of the other issues, especially environmental issues, political issues, economic issues, often things are not worked out well, and the worst possible thing we can wor- have is a, a knee-jerk reaction to all this stuff. Right, knee-jerk reaction and policy, not necessarily the best thing. Right, so uh, now wanted to talk today. Now, and again, send me your comments. You can text them over to me eight four five two six nine five seven seven two, or email at jim at safetywords dot com. Or if you want to, whatever pro- platform you're listening on, uh, I'm on right now. Facebook Live, YouTube Live, uh, Telegram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, uh, LinkedIn, what else? Twitter, Twitch, uh, no, all different types of platforms here. Uh, give a, you know, give us some feedback here. I'd love to hear from you. Believe me. And if you can, please like and share the program on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, it goes far. Uh, to uh, it goes far now to everybody there on Brighteon. I've been uploading for whatever reason. I cannot up- upload this live. I haven't either. You can't do it, or I haven't figured it out to do it on Brighteon. I want to thank everybody on Brighteon that's been giving me good feedback and everything else. We've been getting a lot of hits over there. A friend of mine, uh, Marsha, from back in my political days, said, "Hey, Jimmy, you should be on Brighteon." Uh, I've loaded up there, and I'm getting a lot of uh, action over there. So mosey on over if you're inclined over to Brighteon. I know that they have an app for live TV. Also, I'm not on it yet. But anyway, uh, so documents, right? By the way, I will let me share this. Some people are using this uh, uh, AI to actually write legal letters and things uh, to people. I had a friend writing leader, uh, letters. He said, look, either I have a choice spending 1500 bucks on an attorney or 30 bucks a month for uh, an AI program. So you, you know, we're making a decision, but you got to be very careful because you, it doesn't always get it right. I'm going to say this, and I'm, I know I meant to move on now. We're going back. Just for grins and giggles. Now, I entered in my wife uh, into AI, and I said, well, first I tried myself. Give me a biography of myself, of Jim Pozel, the safety warrior. So not enough information. We don't know who this guy is, basically. I said, well, let me put it in for my wife, because she has with her, uh, she's an event and meeting planner. She gets a lot of... uh, uh, now she's on a lot of websites, things of that nature for what she does for a living. And I tell you what, it got one major, uh, uh, fact wrong about my wife, a huge major thing that made everything else after it tainted it. Number one, uh, number two was with the remaining everything else. It sounded like she ran her organization. She was a leader in that field that that organization uh, 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 caters to. So this is a very, you have to, dangerous, risky, I don't know exactly what word we could use on this technology with uh, that we've been entrusted with. I don't see, based on the recent Supreme Court rulings last week on uh, platforms not being responsible for what their users are putting on there. Uh, I don't see this changing at all. Where, uh, no, where uh, I think that I've read a little bit of the case uh, from the Supreme Court. Yeah, I have 
Now, that's what I do. And with some of that reasoning there, I don't see how a lot of these programs are going to be able to be, uh, how these programs are going to be able to uh, be held liable for what people do use them for. I don't know. I, let the attorneys figure that one out. So be careful. You use that stuff, be careful with it. It, it may not always be right. So this came into the thing. I had a, uh, a conversation via text message with the great Jay Allen on JHAs, where I said, well, I want, as a son of a gun, let's put in the JHA for a certain activity, came back, and as a general JHA was pretty good. But what's a JHA? Job hazard analysis. If you're working in the Army Corps of Engineers world, it's an activity hazard analysis. Aha. Uh, if you're working with some other programs, they call them job safety analysis. Or if you're dealing with just OSHA stuff, it's often called a task hazard analysis. Uh, THA. Whatever you call them, they're all the same. And what you're going to find out is, no, let's, we're going to deal with the construction and environmental cleanup world. If, do they have JHAs for general industry? Yeah, maritime, yeah. But, uh, no, do they have, yeah. But reason why they're emphasized so much in the construction world is that you're dealing with a changing work environment. In the disaster management world, you're dealing with a, you don't know what you're dealing with. You're getting out there, you know, you can't, it's not like you can design your work area. You, you got to deal with what you have. Same thing in the maritime world. Sometimes, you know, you got, you know, you could a little bit design your work area, but not all the time. So what industry has come up with and well, no, in trying to comply with OSHA regulations uh, has come up with is, the job hazard analysis. We know you have the corporate safety plan. Corporate safety plan has all different things, and you have a site-specific safety plan that might deal with a site. And then you have the job hazard analysis, which normally deals with the job or the task that you're dealing with specifically. And uh, this is meant, we have, uh, in the construction industry, we have... Uh, 1926.20.20, that's 2-0. And uh, it says, uh, uh, the, uh, so, no, I'll read from one. I hate to read regulation, but I'm going to read them here. Section 107 of the Occupational Safety and Health Act requires that it shall be the condition of each contract which is entered into under legislation under your blah, 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 and is for construction, alteration, and or repair and decorating that no contractor or subcontractor for any of the contract work shall require any labor or mechanic employed in the performance of the contract work in his surroundings or under working conditions which are unsanitary, hazardous, or dangerous to his health and safety. I know, it's not gender neutral. That's a story for another day, right, on that. But, I mean, because I did come into a thing where it did impact safety directly. So this is your... Typical construction. What is construction? This is the de uh, definition of construction. Right? And companies are often cited under this, but this is a loaded gun in a, in a way. Right? What's unsanitary? I don't know. Hazardous? That's a legal definition. Dangerous? I don't know. This is a little bit subjective, a little bit objective, depending on your situation. Then he goes into 1926.20b, accident prevention responsibilities. And this is the responsibility of the employer, right? It shall be the responsibility for the, of the employer to initiate and maintain accident prevention programs. Right? I'm into that. As may be necessary to comply with this part. Such programs shall, and that means you must, Provide for frequent and regular inspections of the job sites, materials, and equipment to be made by competent persons designated by the employer. So right off the bat, you're required to have a competent person designated. What does this mean? I tell you what, you better have all this stuff in writing. Because if there's a problem, what's the first question? I mean, I've been on jobs where you have dead employees twitching there and their last throes of death. And I've had... People or someone having a major, uh, no, a grand mal seizure on the ground. 
Oh, you better get his JHA. That may be a JHA issue. Does he have a safety training? Well, yeah, it happens. All right. And it happens from a company that most of the people here have heard of, if you're listening to this, in the United States. All right. And uh, the use of any machinery tool, blah, 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 uh, and affordable. Okay, here we go into B4. The employer shall permit only those employees qualified by training experience to operate, operate equipment and machinery. Okay. And oh, well, where is it? Training. Standards in this part require training on hazards and related matters, such as standards requiring that employees receive training or that the employer train employees, provide training employees, institute and implement a training program. We're in F2 here. Impose separate compliance duty with respect to each blah, blah, blah. The employer must train each affected employee in the manner required by this standard, and each failure to train an employee must be considered a separate violation. All right. So along with this, mm -hmm. okay, where is it here? All right. So that's one part of this, which requires a job hazard analysis to assess hazards and implement this. Right? And typically, well, it does require a job hazard analysis, but a job hazard analysis is often the means as to which we apply all everything that I just read here. You have to guarantee training and everything else. We'll get more on that in a minute. If we mosey on over to 1926.32, right? It goes through here. Uh, did I do? Uh, it's not in there. I'm sorry, folks. I lost my place here. Confident person means one who is uh, capable of identifying existing predictable hazards in the surroundings, that's what I wanted to, or working conditions which are unsanitary, hazardous, or dangerous employees who has the author authorization to take prompt corrective measures. So basically, this comes down to this. The employer, through the confident person, communicating hazards. So that's basically it. So JHAs are developed to actually address the hazards specifically in the field because things come up. Now, I'm writing a corporate safety plan for somebody in the field and uh, an office. I'm not going to know what's going on in the actual field 30 or 40 or 50 miles away or 10 miles away. I'm not going to know that. So what happens is, uh, is oh, here it is, uh, B2. The employer shall instruct here you go. 1926. Well, I lost my place here. Sorry, guys. The employer shall instruct each employee in the recognition and avoidance of unsafe conditions and the regulations applicable to his work environment to control and eliminate. So we do this because of this specific thing. How are you going to prove that you told the employees that through a job hazard analysis? So there are th typically three parts. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around here to a job hazard analysis. Mobilization or a job setup. Number two is doing the actual job. And number three is cleanup. Those are the three parts. So when you hear someone say, I can't write a JHA, I don't know what to include in there, say, okay, setup, doing the job, and cleanup. Three parts, three lines. Back in the day when uh, me and a couple of the people who are listening tonight were on a uh, uh, explosives cleanup, the uh, job hazard analysis were some like six to nine pages long because every part of that job had to be regulated. That was what the requirement was, had to be planned out. We use the job hazard analysis to do that. But typically, we don't like to go over one or two paper pages on a job hazard analysis. So uh, a corporate safety plan for review is generally what the corporation's policy is. And then you have job specific and then you have task specific. Now, between those three, you should be able to go and prove to OSHA and to prove to whoever that you're doing your job as far as this regulation is concerned to communicate the hazards. So 
Uh, so, uh, for example, when we're doing one uh, with explosives we were dealing with, shock-sensitive material, we had to detail everything, including cutting power to the building, marking out specific travel paths within the building, temporary lighting, shutting water off to the building. You, in case something went off, now you have water compounded with everything else. So with that, you no, know, it was very detailed, but that's not, that's getting too detailed. That's to be usable. So we try to do one or two pages at most. Typically, who does not do these uh, JHAs? They're companies that are small, that do not have persons on staff to do this, either a competent person or a uh, safety person, supervisor, something like that. So if you have a company out there with less than 10 people, they have all their paperwork together, guess what? They did their job the best they can. The other thing is this. Companies hire people. You're going to hire people that may uh, not have the literacy to actually go out and do job hazard analysis and do the paperwork. Happens all the time. Doesn't that still happen? Yeah, I see it all the time. Uh, it happened uh, last week, as a matter of fact, where we had a company on site on one of my projects, no job hazard analysis, and guess what? Nobody knew how to operate a computer either. It was the guys, the owner's uh, uh, spouse who works at night and work, has a daytime job. No ability to do a JHA. Uh, didn't even have a pencil and paper to do a JHA. Had no forms, no nothing. So what do you do? You end up, if you're a safety professional, you have to go and help the person out. Uh, no, and in accordance to your contract and everything else that's out there. Uh, going on. So uh, you have three columns in a JHA. First column, what you're doing, what the job is, what the scope of work is, each step. Second column, what the remedial steps are in there. I'm sorry, what the hazards are. So you have the steps, the hazards, then you have the remedial steps. You can picture that in your head. I don't have to use visuals for this. And then you have a signature saying that you reviewed everything. Now, guess what? This is what makes this beautiful. This makes the JHA beautiful. Those are the three elements of every health and safety plan you're going to be uh, writing. Right? Three elements. You have what you're doing, what the hazards are, how you're going to remediate them, what maybe some of the regulatory hazards are, and really in a site-specific and a regulatory requirements are in a site-specific or uh, corporate plan. And then you have training. So if you have the confident person train uh, written on there, hey, we did training with these people. We told them what the hazards were and everything. Now OSHA comes out. I cannot guarantee this, but I've had OSHA come out to jobs and say, do you have a written plan for this? Yeah, we have what's called job hazard analysis. 15 years ago, OSHA guy says to me, what the hell is a job hazard analysis? And I showed him. He was like, oh, this is pretty good. Do you have this for every job? I said, yeah, for every job here. We have 20 crews of people. All 20 have a job hazard analysis that gets collected every day, and we examine it every day. Again, they were like, okay, well, we're not even going to look at your corporate plan because you're obviously dealing with specifically what's going on here. Again, no guarantee uh, with that. Now, the job hazard analysis has to be relevant to what you're doing. Specifically, what are some of the things that might be on a job hazard analysis? Right? Hey, uh, this other trade is doing some work next to us. We've got to be careful of it. Okay. Guess what? You'll never find that in a site-specific plan or a, uh, or, a, uh, or a corporate plan. You'll find out on the JHA. Hey, there's a hole over there that we have to cover up and be aware of. We got to make sure the railings around it, fall protection sort of thing. Guess what? That that's good for the job hazard analysis. No AI and no corporate safety person sitting in an office is going to be able to know that or a consultant or whoever you need. Now, now from the company's point of view, here this is covering liabilities because you say, look, we explained to them in a language that they can understand. So if they're Spanish, better be in Spanish. It's Polish, better be in Polish. If it's German, it better be in German. Chinese and Chinese. 
in a language and an ability that they can uh, understand. Nobody says that this has to be in English. Because I'm going to tell you, there is a, such a thing as a translator, either in a program or OSHA has the ability of going out there and uh, translating. I'm checking my time here. Uh, has the uh, 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 no has the uh, ability to call a translator up on speakerphone to translate many different languages. I'm seeing it done. Guess what? You could do that. Uh, so any language is good. So on the other hand, this is what I do. Let's say that I have to write a corporate plan or a site-specific plan. Often, I will start with the JHA and work my way backwards. All right? So... I'll write out everything on there and I'll make it a very detailed JHA. And before you know it, you have a corporate plan that you can write with that. Mm. Well, that's a little hack out there for if you want to do. Often it's difficult to do a corporate plan then down to the site, but site specifically on, on up, you could do. So in that plan look for review, you have the scope of work. Right, the job steps, what their hazards are, what your remedial steps are, what you're going to do to fix it and to prevent an accident. And then you have a, uh, 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 a training session associated with that. So you have all the elements there that you need. Now, let's say there is an accident. Now, uh, let me go, uh, let me go uh, before I go on. We also have... What's normal, what's been recently incorporated on here is a hazard matrix table. So uh, if you're studying for any standardized exam, you got to know this table, right? We know that this is all part of the body of knowledge for any of the standardized exams that I've taken, where you have a hazard matrix table, where on one side of the table, the y-axis, you have very likely, likely, possible, unlikely, and very likely. And on the other hand, on the x-axis, you have negligible, minor, moderate, significant, or severe. And you're, they may require you to go in there. You could Google hazard matrix table. It'll take you right to it. They incorporate, now they're incorporating into that what uh, things are. The problem with the hazard matrix table it is a little bit subjective. With things, So how do you determine what goes into this stuff, whether it's the JHA going into the hazard matrix table or the risk matrix table, whatever uh, you want to call it, depending on who you talk to. A lot of things could go in there. You can look back in your own job audits uh, and everything. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later in the week here uh, because OSHA has a new policy on this. You could go back and you could look at all these hazard matrix tape, uh, what your hazards are, what has been reported. Maybe talking over with the uh, employee, you, you develop what is called a learning team. So here in the human and organizational performance world, a learning team, this is where it comes in handy. You could go out there and do a learning team. Hey, can, and well, two or three people, no more than seven or five, Right. You go out there and you find out, hey, what, what are the hazards? I have to write a JHA. I did that recently with uh, somebody who was uh, doing an activity that I was not an expert. And I told the guy, I said, look, I am not an expert at this. I write at this. I'm not an expert. First of all, if a health and safety professional tells you they're an expert, be afraid. Be very afraid. And I go out there and I say, okay, I'm not the expert on this or anything on this activity, but you are the expert. So tell me what the hazards are associated with it. Tell me how you're going to do this work. So then we can fill out the job hazard analysis. We can make it look good, everything else, and we'll, we'll write it. He said, you're not going to tell me what to do? I said, no. I already told you I'm not familiar with this activity, but we can sit down together and we could do this, right? And at that point now, we're working together. We're a colleague, and I'm taking an interest in his work and how he's going to do it. And I'm also learning a little bit about that activity. And it prompted me to go back and read some regulations that are going to be incorporated into that 
job hazard analysis when we revise it. So uh, a second time, it's going to get revised, right, with this. So we go in there, we go through, blah, 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 blah. Okay, thank you very much. About an hour later, an auditor from a regulatory agency comes in, right? And uh, I should say the host employer, which happens to be a regulatory agency, came in and uh, he said, oh, where's your job hazard analysis? And does it cover those activities? I said, most certainly does. I have it here right for you. Gave it to him. He said, oh, long pause. Okay, you got your Gouverneau together? You didn't say Gouverneau? Okay, have a nice day. Went on a, on his way. Right? The other thing, that's from the employer's point of view, there is no, uh, uh, no, it's a double-edged sword. On one hand, the employee knows what, what to do. The other thing is, you know what's going on too, and you have to enforce it. So it's a double-edged sword. I've seen it go, cut both ways where the employer says employee misconduct, which is an extremely difficult defense to make in any OSHA thing. Employee misconduct? Uh, Now, based on my experience and from what I've read and heard from legitimate people, not some dude on the street, right? Uh, Now, you you can only really use that defense one time. You could say, well, look, I have the job hazard analysis. I have the training records. I have the corporate plan. Uh, We have audits that we do all the time in writing. We have examples of disciplinary thing where people don't follow the rules. We have a progressive discipline policy and everything else. Then you might be able to, and it's a big might, you might be able to get out of a citation claiming employee misconduct. Very difficult. You could do it the first time. Second time, that that's not going to work because they're going to say you were on alert that your employees had a tendency to have misconduct. Therefore, what what did you do about it? Right. So that's uh, the other double-edged sword. Now, from the employee's point of view, right? Yes, I read off a computer. From an employee's point of view. The job hazard analysis is the employee's chance to have input on safety. How's that? Because now they can have input on safety and actually communicate uh, with the people. So something to think about. That's uh, Now, go and give me uh, your uh, thoughts on job hazard analysis. And some of the other things, if you would, you know, probably be, I don't know. Again, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywars.com. You could visit us on any number of uh, platforms as Safety Wars. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitch. We're on uh, Brighteon. We're on Gab. We're on uh, Rumble. We're on many different platforms. So uh, we're going to take a brief break. I actually... Came down here without something to drink, and it's extremely warm down here under the hot studio lights. So we're going to go to commercial break, and we're going to set up for our next part of the program. Uh, let's see how many minutes after the hour is this. Do-do-do. We're somewhere around 40 minutes out after the hour. So I'm going to put this on commercial break, and I will be right back. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold. 
and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. OSHA recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Yes, I am your father, Jessica. So I'm going to go and play the intro again because uh, I think we cut it off uh, on the uh, on the. Uh, videos portion of this program so real quick i'm gonna put this so please bear with me because it's my little disclaimer uh i don't want to get into trouble here hi this is jim from safety wars before we start the program i want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about osha and epa citations along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies legal cases and criminal activity everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law proposed fines are exactly that and they are often litigated reduced or vacated we use available public records news accounts and press releases we cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share since we are not directly involved with these stories at least not most of the time enjoy the show okay so uh we're going to be going into we have not gone into it uh in the past couple of days uh let's uh see here how much time we have here we have 17 minutes left to go on the safety fm side if we go over time we go over time and you can catch this on the video portion of this. So I think they're on to us, folks, because we keep on reading these OSHA news and press releases. And uh, they used to be very prodigious here. I believe that's the word uh, for them. And it seems like they're not issuing as many so unless someone's on vacation or something like that. So here we have um, uh, that's why I haven't gone over them is that we've had like one, right? And then all of a sudden they released a bunch of them. So here we have. Uh, from Region 8, from Denver. U.S. Department of Labor finds Colorado, Colorado. Well, what am I saying here? Colorado contractor exposing workers to trench cave-ins, including one that caused a teenager's fatal injuries. Uh, despite the fatality, the excavation and sewer company repeatedly endangered workers in trenches. When federal workplace safety inspectors opened an investigation... In March 2023, of an excavation worksite in Fort Collins, Colorado, they determined a company was still ignoring the same federal safety standards that could have prevented a trench collapse in Greeley in the summer of 2022 that led to the death of a teenage company employee. In that incident, a 17-year-old a worker suffered fatal injuries after being struck in the head by a large chunk of asphalt, and a company foreman was injured on August 13th when an unprotected section of an excavation wall came in on them. The employees uh, were working on a residential sewer connection. So here's something else. Your residential sewer connection, uh, you might have an atmospheric hazard on top of that. And what does an excavation require? It requires an evaluation daily or more frequently, depending on site conditions, by a competent person to make sure everything is in there. Uh, is it, oh, no, you know, what they call copacetic. I know that's not a real world, real world, real word. I'm tongue-tied today. The employees were working on a residential sewer connection. After investigation, the U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA issued a serious citation to the Commerce City contractor for violation of federal law and proposed... $15,625 in penalties, an amount set by law. 
That's towards the higher end of this. I think that's the maximum. On uh, March 8th, again, so once you settle this and they pay the fine, you don't contest it or you might contest it and then, you know, everything else, chances are there's going to be follow-up. Unless OSHA completely said, does a mea culpa and vacate everything and say, oh, well, we made a mistake. Chances are there's going to be a follow-up and maybe a week later, it may be a day later, it may be a, 10 years later, but there's going to be a follow-up here, right? And if you're within, I believe it's three years or five years, something like that, they could whack you with a repeat violation. I think they might be able to do it after 10 years, but that's normally not their policy here. But you can whack you with a repeat violation. Our friends at Dollar General were in this situation where they keep on getting repeat violations and failure to abate things because they're at different facilities, right, all throughout the country. So in this case, different jobs cite everything else. Guess what? They did a follow-up. So the same company, they learned that employees were again exposed to trenching hazards on a project in Fort Collins, Colorado. Among them was a foreman injured in August. So the guy got hurt one time, he got, and they're still not doing the right thing. The agency then cited the company with willful violations for exposing workers to cave-ins and failing to train workers to recognize trenching hazards. For the most recent inspection, the company faces $206,000, almost $698 in proposed penalties and has been included in the Severe Violator Enforcement Program, meaning they're going to be back again. So, uh... Again, let's see if they give us a do do do. Here it is uh, for the company. I got the uh, citation right here. So this is from March eighth, two thousand twenty-three, and believe it or not, they did not take six months or five months and three weeks to issue the citation. They issued it in uh, eight weeks. Pretty, pretty fast turnaround here, guys. Good job. Good job. Can I get a... Here, we're going to clap. On five. All right. We're going to clap for OSHA. All right. Good job, guys. All right. So let me just scroll on down. And again, this, when I do this, all of this stuff is... All of this stuff is the first time I'm looking at it. So you're getting the raw reaction to this. Citation one, item one, type of violation, serious. A stairway, ladder, ramp, or other safe means of regress is not located in trench excavations that are four feet or more in depth, so as require no more than 25 feet of lateral travel. So you need to have a uh, ladder within 25 feet of all employees all the time, right, a ladder, lateral. They didn't do that. What was a serious $6,250. Citation one, item two. This goes into what we talked about on the first part of this program with job hazard analysis. This was in 1926, 651K1 in the excavation standard. Daily inspections of excavations. How are you going to prove that without a, something in writing or video or something? That's got to be provable. The adjacent areas and protective systems are not being made by a competent person for evidence of a situation that could result in a cave-in, failure of protective systems, hazardous atmospheres. Hey, they're making a uh, sewer connection, maybe a hazardous atmosphere here, or other hazardous conditions when employee exposure is reasonably anticipated. An inspection is not conducted by the competent person prior to, uh, of, as needed throughout the shift. Inspections are also not made after every rainstorm. Or, right, and all this stuff. So this is something that you have to do. They didn't do it. There's no evidence. Fine. Almost 11 grand. Third, citation two, item one. This is 93,755. Uh, again, does not instruct. This is what we were just talking about. Twenty-nine. This wasn't planned. 29 CFR 1926.21 B2 with a job hazard analysis. Did not instruct each employee with the uh, with the uh, uh, and tell them what's going on. Basically, no JHA. They don't call it that, but that's what it is. 
Citation two, item two, willful, serious, another $93,000. Each employee in an excavation is not being protected by cavens by an adequate protective system. Citation three, item one, other than serious, there was $1,000 for this. Again, no OSHA 300 log, $1,000. Citation three, item two, other than serious. Guess what? Did not provide uh, authorized government representative the records within four business hours, 1904.40. Guess what? They may give you a little bit of leeway here, maybe five under certain circumstances. But basically, they ask for records. You better have them within four hours or by a requested date. So total of 206000 I'm going to tell you what. Thank God there was no injuries here. But every one of these things are easily, easily correctable. We do work in Colorado. 845-269-5772. We'll go out there right to JHAs for you. We'll, we'll do. We'll, no, we have excavation competent persons that we could send out. If you, don't, you can't do it yourself. And I tell you what, it's a hell of a lot cheaper than $206,000. Every one of those things is cheaply and easily remedied. And now, look at what is going to happen now when they go into uh, the situation. With, and I'm, I imagine there's going to be some type of litigation here with the fatality. Something. Workers, even if it's only workers' comp, guess what? They knew they had a problem. They didn't correct it. Another one from eight, from uh, 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 Region 8. Same deal, excavation contractor in Aurora, Colorado. What do they have this here? 112, 500, $112,508. Again, they do not have, oh, here it is, the citation. Let's see what we got here. This was, this accident happened on uh, two days after Christmas last year. And they issued it in May. So they were coming up five months later, a little bit over five months later. Okay, what were the citations issued here? Citation one. Again, stairway, ladder, something like that. Not in there. $4,688. How much does the ladder cost? 100 bucks, 100, 200 bucks. Citation two. Uh... Employees are not protected from excavated or other materials that could be opposed to hazard by falling or rolling into excavations. Support place for the materials, $4,600. Here we have another one. Uh, da, da, da. Here we go. Uh, I had to read this a little bit. Protective system, not following the instruction manual. Another $4,688. Here's another one. No documental daily inspections. Oh, wow. Incredible. $4,600. Easily remedied. No job hazard analysis. 1926.21. So there's no communication. To the, to the workers, $31,252, willful serious violation. That means it was probably in their plan that they didn't do it. No protective system, another $62,504. Another one, willful, serious, right? Uh, but they did not cite them on this. Zero was uh, <laughs> not following the instructions in the manufacturer. So all this stuff, easily remedied here. E easily done. Here we have, uh, do, do, do. we have an alliance. Uh, here's one, a local one from Region 2 in New Jersey. Let's find out where this is. Oh, Burlington. So a U.S. Department of Labor places New Jersey manufacturer in severe violative program after workers suffer serious preventable amputation. So, an employee's first day of work in a southern New Jersey manufacturing facility in Burlington ended tragically when he suffered an amputation of three fingers while operating a press brake without the required safeguards, similar to violations cited by federal safety investigators. 
in the facility in 2010 and 2015. So let's see what this is. Here is the citation. I'm not going to mention, I know the company, by the way. This is a very, uh, this is a very uh, prominent company in Burlington uh, here. Uh, going on. Here we have citation one, item one. Uh, this is serious, $4,600. The employer did not, this is 1910.22. This was a walking working services violation. Again, protruding objects, loose boards, corrosion. This is in the general industry, obviously. Corrosion leaks, spills, snow, and ice. So uh, there was stuff on the floor from a wash tank, overwash. Citation two, item one, citation two, serious. Eye and face protection, safety glasses. Basically it. No safety sh uh, glasses. Another easy remedied thing, 9,376 bucks. Citation one, item three, serious. Here we go, a 1910-134. And a 1910-134 respiratory standard is uh, a... Uh, uh, is a uh, uh, horizontal standard, meaning that all of your OSHA standards, whether you're in agriculture, construction, maritime, or general industry, all point to this. You can use this standard, 1910-134, as the standard for respirators. So uh, in the, a welding area, respirators are not provided to employees, included in, including but not limited to welders, who are exposed to an airborne concentration of copper fumes at an eight-hour time-weighted average of 0.18 milligrams per cubic meter, which is 1.8 times the PEL permissible exposure limit of 0.1 milligrams per cubic meter. So uh, basically... Uh, the employer is required to submit a, an abatement certification for this item. Failure to comply will result in additional penalty. So they whacked them for 9376 and possibly uh, an additional penalty if they miss the abatement date. Here's another one, almost 11000 No respiratory protection standard under uh, program, under 1910 And here we are running up on Safety FM. Two minutes left. So we're going to see what we have here. Uh, here we have another one. Serious hazard, no uh, having to do with respirators, no fit testing. They didn't si sign them on there. 1910-151. Again, uh, no eyewash station. Serious violation, 7800 bucks. Relatively cheap to remedy. Uh, here's another one. 1910-252. Uh, no exhaust ventilation in the welding area. 9300 bucks. That may be a little bit harder to abate, but... Uh, remedy, but again, that's the hierarchy of controls, right? Where you have an engineering control. Another one, serious, 1910-1000. Uh, that was copper, right? Uh, another one, 11,000. No written HASCOM program. Another one, citation two, item one. No, uh, 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 no communication information and training on hazardous chemicals. And other than serious... Uh, thing uh osha 300 log was not uh up to date was not up to date and and there was an injury so a total of one hundred eighty nine thousand seventy three dollars so we're going to go over to uh the outro for safety uh for the uh program and then we're going to continue with these stories on the video stream. So I will see you on the back end of this. If you're on Safety FM, I will hope to be here tomorrow night giving you the same thing uh, over, not the same program, but another uh, episode. So here we go. 
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Okay, we are back. Let me exit out of that, and we'll get resume the program. All right. So uh, now we're just on the video stream here. We're 54 minutes into the program. So we're going to continue with these OSHA citations. Again, all these things are pretty easy to remedy. So here we have OSHA, OSHA Region 5. All right. On here. U.S. Department of Labor again finds a resin manufacturer exposing employees to respiratory hazards. Risk of explosion at a Kenton facility. So this is out of Kenton, Ohio, K-E-N-T-O-N, Ohio. In uh, certain concentrations, flammable vapors can ignite, leading to powerful explosions and leaving workers seriously injured or worse. For workers manufacturing plastic resin, the high heat used in the production processes increases the risks. Despite the dangers, inspectors found within the U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA found that a certain company operating as another company has again failed to follow required safety measures to prevent workers in dangers of chemical exposures and potential explosion. OSHA identified similar violations in 2019. In response to a complaint, OSHA opened an investigation in December 2022 and found the company did not prevent resin accumulations from exposing control room workers to respiratory and fire hazards. The company, um, again, I normally, unless I slip, I normally don't mention the company. The company knowingly failed to develop and implement safeguards to protect employees from toxic gas releases, explosions from process equipment, and use good housekeeping procedures to protect its employees from potential combustible resin fires, explained OSHA Area Director Todd Jensen in Toledo, Ohio. This company must make safety as important as profit before employees are sickened or tragedy occurs. The agency... Uh, cited the company for one willful violation for its failure to ensure the HVAC system effectively maintained a positive pressure on the control room and automatically shut off in the event of a formaldehyde release and to ensure employees working in the control room would not be injured in the event of a reaction vessel explosion. So uh, the company also received, we'll go into this, right? So let's... What does that mean? So you have typically, a, a, as a, 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 the, and again, this is the first read here. I don't go out here and really read this stuff till, unless I really need to. Maybe I'll come back at a later date to it, but I usually this is my first reaction. So what we have here is, what we have here is the, uh, you have a control room and a process area. That area is under positive pressure, meaning that area has air escaping from it. This way, hazardous air cannot get into there through the door or any other source which is under positive pressure. If it was under negative pressure, that means air would be coming in there, rushing in there. But in this case, it's under positive pressure. And that, that's usually measured through what is called a manometer or manometer, depending on what part of the country you come from. Uh, here uh, that measures uh, what the pressure is, the pressure differentials are. Uh, I forget exactly what what it needs to be, but it's usually uh, one inch, something like that. Please don't quote me on that, but it's in the regulation. If you're dealing with asbestos, that's in all likelihood what they would probably be using, unless there's an industry standard, they'd probably be using the asbestos uh, standards on what the appropriate uh, positive pressure is. So. Uh, So here we go. Uh, Citation one, item one. Type of violation serious. 
This is 1910.22. Again, this is a walking and working services situation, easily remedied. They got whacked with a $15,625,000 fine here. The employer did not ensure that all places of employment, passageways, storerooms, service rooms, and walking and working services are kept in a clean, orderly, and sanitary condition. Again, they had shit on the floor, basically. All right. Item citation two, item one, type of violation, willful, serious. The employer did not establish a system to promptly address the, uh, uh, I don't know what this means, PHA team's findings and recommendations. So uh, there apparently was a team and there a safety committee. Uh, okay, oh, here it is, process hazard analysis. They love to use these freaking uh, acronyms, right? So here we have, on or about, I'm going to read this because we're not up against the time limit here, right? On or about December 12, 2022, the employer did not assure the findings that uh, and recommendations made during the process hazard analysis regarding overpressurization hazards posed to occupied building process buildings, such as but not limited to a control room, were resolved. Employees working in the control room were exposed to significant overpressure, explosion, deflagration hazards. So what's the difference between explosion and a deflagration? An explosion is faster than the speed of sound. A deflagration is slower than the speed of sound. From the process area in the control room uh, was not equipped with appropriate blast-resistant construction or other protective measures. Right? So... Again, they have a process, and under the process, uh, 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 the uh, process uh, control standard, what was that? Uh, I'm getting tongue-tied here. This is why we have the internet, right? And I, I don't, this is why we actually read. Bear with me. So, uh, under, uh, what is it? Do-do-do. Find... Process Safety Management Standard of Highly Hazardous Materials. 29 CFR 1910-119 is the regulation. So under this regulation, the employee and the employer, when they're doing things, either an upgrade or something, it's required to have basically a learning team. My regulation here. They don't call them that, but it's basically a learning team where you go in there and you talk to the employer, employees, the experts, and what's going on, what, uh, what some of the recommendations are. And you as an employer has got, have got to write those down and they have to answer every one of those. And they got whacked with not doing that, basically, with this. And what was the citation? $156,259. All right, that's what it was, a willful series. So over a uh, not following up with recommendations from a uh, committee and having a housekeeping issue related to walking working services, they got whacked with $171,000 in proposed uh, citations. Something you got to worry about here. So uh, OSHA Region 3. And this is uh, U.S. Department of Labor, uh, Shipbuilders Council of America, New Alliance, to promote safe and healthful workplaces in mid-Atlantic shipyard industry. The U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration and the Shipbuilders Council of America and its associate members have renewed an alliance to continue protecting the mid-Atlantic region shipbuilding workers. Uh from workplace safety and health hazards. Originally established as a two-year alliance in 2021, the renewal extends the joint initiative until 2026. The alliance will continue to provide information on occupational safety and health laws standards, including the rights and responsibilities of workers and employers under the Occupational Safety and Health Act. Develop information on 
recognizing and preventing workplace hazards to share with the shipyard industry, employers, and workers, promote and encourage the use of OSHA's on-site consultation program, including the Pennsylvania OSHA Consultation Program at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Bill, my friend Bill, went to that, the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Our alliance uh, renewal with the Shipbuilders Council of America will continue to make preventing safety hazards common in the shipbuilding and repair industry. I tell you what, if you need outreach training for ship, for uh, maritime, we're your people. 845-269-5772, jim at safetywords.com. So uh, that's what we got here. Now, I just received a professional, the professional safety journal today. On this next uh, thing was on leading indicators. I'm going to follow up with that tomorrow. With that, I'm going to hold off on this. So I want to thank everybody who stayed on to watch this on this. Uh, this is all going to be released in on uh, the podcast platform, uh, God willing, right after this program. I hope to see everybody tomorrow. Uh, for Safety Wars... This is Jim Polzel. I'm not going to play the outro, outro again, uh, but uh, I will play the national anthem uh, here. And, uh, you know, there's some controversy behind putting this on uh, often lately as of late, but we're going to continue to play it here. everybody.